Welcome to Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Harris County. Good morning, Texas. Good morning to the United States of America. And of course, good good morning to the world. We are going to have a wonderful, wonderful program today, especially because out of lemonade, or rather out of lemons, we are going to be making some great lemonade. Folks, uh, I hope as you're driving in your cars this morning, all is fine. Well, we have our wonderful Jacques Van Beber, who was riding into town, as he does every morning, to bring this to you. And little something happened, but you know, with the magic of, uh, you know, Howard still connecting the strings wherever they are. <laughs> We're able to bring him into the fold. But before we go to Jack, Howard, what's up? Well, you know, we, we lost the first part of the last part of Arnie Ernestson this morning. For some reason, the computer just cut it off. So we had uh, we had a chance to play some smooth jazz for you. Kind of wake up a little bit nice and easy. And I know that Harry will be satisfied because we played Peter White and also Keiko Matsui's uh, Bridge Over the Stars. And some good stuff. Jeff Lorber's Wide Open Spaces. So I got three smooth jazz songs in before your show. So everybody will be mellow this morning. There you go. I tell you. So we're ready to be mellow. And we got to say good morning to our good friend, Jack Van Bever, who has brought us some wisdom. Good morning, Jack. Hey, good morning, Howard. Good morning, Nick Berto. Good morning, Jack. Great to hear from you, brother. Yeah, I'm sitting in the Walmart parking lot at Wayside, waiting for them to open up to get a tire. So I thought I'd write a little ditty before I went on. Okay, this is about war. This is about how war comes about. War is men who are looking forward 50 years and maneuvering into position for future profit and power. All war is about resources and resource extraction. Dressed up as a villain, they can. They have chosen for you. If they can lead you to hate, they can lead you to war for their profit, not and power over you. Mm, very interesting. I mean, well, you know, yeah, uh, you know, it, it is interesting because sometime uh, on this program, you know, when when things are a little calmer in 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 the U.S. I want to talk about West Africa and what's going on with the former French colonies because uh, Van Beber, you opened another kind of worms like you always do. Oh, heavens are everywhere now. Up worm, worm cans, ain't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you do that really well, Jack. <laughs> I don't know, Jack. You know, sometimes I wonder if it's like, are you kind of reading and, and, and do it, reading the stuff that I'm reading, brother? What's wrong with you? Anyway, that is great, Jack. All, all's good out there. Temperature, you're warm, all of that, Jack? Yeah, yeah. I'm just sitting in my car waiting for him to open up. Uh, it'll, be a long, it'll be a long birthday morning, but I'll, it'll be all right. That's wait, right. Wait, it's your wait, birthday wait. Today. Yeah, oh, it is. Oh, wait, wait. I got to do this. Happy birthday to Jack. Happy birthday to Jack. Happy birthday to our own Jack Van Bibber. Happy birthday to you. All right, Jack. 
That's all you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit older and a lot less bolder than I used to be. Oh, maybe I'm getting <laughs> I get in a lot of trouble these days. I don't know. You sound like a Bob Seger song. There you <laughs> go. There you go. There you go. Anyway, let's get busy. Thanks, Jack, as usual. And uh, you know, sit in if you want to say anything, just let us know. Anyway, if a congresswoman, this is the title of the show today. I read this article on Thursday. And it was not Thursday or Friday. I don't remember which day I read the article. And I I got pretty, I mean, I got kind of teary-eyed because I know this woman, Congresswoman um, Eddie, Eddie uh, Johnson. Uh, I can never say her. I always, I always kind of smile. Eddie Bernice Jan- Johnson, because I would say her name, Eddie, the first one always throw me off. But uh, she is uh, she just gave up her seat in Congress. And uh, it was won by um, an, another friend of mine who's now out of the, the district. It's it's kind of funny because this time of the morning you go blank. But anyway, she just died. I think it was Christmas, uh, the, 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 the Christmas Eve, and uh, not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. And I didn't quite uh, know what the reason was until... I picked up the paper and it was the Texas Tribune and the title of the, the title of the show or not the title of the article was Eddie Bernice Johnson's family says medical neglect led to former Congresswoman's death. Congresswoman of the United States, a powerful Congresswoman of the United States who served in Congress for 30 Years. Not only did she serve for 30 years, she's referred to as a dean of the congressional district from Texas, given her long stay there. She has always been willing to work with Republicans to get things done, etc. She's powerful. She's known. People around the state knows her, around the country knows her. She's a powerful woman. You think um you would think special cases would not, I don't want to say special treatment, but you would think if they go into a hospital, if they go into a rehab center, that somehow, you know, you better not let, uh, let the standard modus operandi where we treat people not as kindly as we should in hospitals not happen here because, again, it'll make an issue. People would make a further issue out of it. But look, first of all, politics done right. I don't care who you are. If the medical system hurts you, I want to know. And we should do something about it because we are all one big, huge family. We are all equal. We are all under under God, under the law, except for under uh, under our capital. Yeah, we're all equal. But it went anyway. But it turns out they allowed this woman who had spinal surgery. She moved herself in her bed and was sitting in it for over an hour over an open wound. The wound got infected from said output. And after a few days, she died. And before she died, she told her son, son, don't let this go by. For all practical purposes, I'm just paraphrasing. They killed me. Meaning, of course, the negligence. Okay. Good morning, Paul Fleming from Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you for being here. And the reason that that got to me is that when, according to, I think it's according to the Sun or somebody, it's when they went to 
the hospital before she died and they're at the station, a, a nurse couldn't be found. I don't know if you've been to a hospital lately. My wife's mother died in 2019, I think it was. And you would not imagine how difficult or how empty these wards, including an intern, in, intensive care unit, was with staff. Again, profit maximization. And, you know, we go over this over and over and over again. And I know some people just stay back and they think that we're, why do we repeat ourselves? We repeat ourselves because this continues to happen until all of us do something about it. It will happen to your mother, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your wife, everybody else. If it can happen to Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson, think about how it can happen to you. And the thing about it is there are solutions, right? There are, in fact, solutions. So here's what I got to do right now. Over the weekend, I, there's this, um, uh, this healthcare activist. His name is Wendell Potter. Wendell Potter has been on my radar for a long, long time. He is a former health insurance executive, and he came out and he blew the whistle on the healthcare system. And all of us thought uh, that the healthcare insurance would cave in and will be done with because this guy knows the inside and he knows how corrupt it is. But I tell you what, they're their way of convincing all of us, you included, that somehow they have a purpose to exist is powerful. And I see it after, after writing all these blogs, after writing about this issue, including just over the weekend at Daily Cost and hearing some of the responses from some of us who seem to be the defenders of a system that is may treat you well sometimes, but screws you most of the times. It's concerning. But let's go ahead without further ado and listen to Wendell Potter. This is an interview that we did. I, I, I sent him an email after reading a few articles, and I said, hey, man, I would love to talk to you over the weekend if we can set up an interview. And it was funny. He said, oh, absolutely. I'm one of your fans. I'm like, but damn, I'm your fan, man. I mean, I'm a fan of yours like you for a year, for a long time. I've been meaning to talk to you for a long time. He said, man, I get your emails every day. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. Let me go ahead and play him, and then we'll take it on the other side. But he, he warmed my heart, but we got a lot of work to do. All right, here we go. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Listen, folks. He is an American advocate for health insurance payment reform. He is a former health insurance industry executive, a communications director. He is the New York Times bestselling author of Deadly Spin, an insurance company insider speaks out on how corporate PR is killing healthcare and deceiving Americans. He's a critic of HMOs and the tactics used by health insurers. Wendell Potter is one of our leading national advocates for major reforms of the insurance industry, including a supporter of Medicare for All and universal health care. He is that voice that we need to be listening to right now, especially in these times. Welcome to Politics Done Right, 
Senor Potter. Well, you said Wendell. Welcome to Politics and Red. How are you doing today? Thank you. And please do call me Wendell. It's good to be on the show. Thank you so much. Well, look, let me let me tell you, um, it has gone from bad to worse. I remember during the Affordable Care Act, you had said, watch what's going to happen if we don't get the public option in the Medicare expansion. They will game it again. I, I, I just want to start there before we get into the core of what we're going to talk about. Your thoughts. That's right. Uh, I testified before Congress a number of times when members of Congress were debating what became the Affordable Care Act. And I said that if they pass that bill without a very good public option, that they might as well call their bill the Health Insurance Industry Profit Protection and Enhancement Act. Uh, the House did pass a version of the bill that had a public option. The Senate did not. Uh, and so we, we wound up without it. And uh, uh, I hate to say I told you so, but since that time, big insurance companies have gotten so much bigger, so much more profitable. They're massively bigger than they were uh, when I uh, was in the industry and at that time, uh, to the point that uh, two of those big insurance companies are now uh, number five and number six on the Fortune 500 of the biggest American companies. Uh, their profits are outsized and they are just able to do pretty much what they want to do. They're controlling our healthcare system in ways that uh, I feared, and uh, we've simply got to do something about it. We really need to wake up to what's going on. Now, you were you were an an insider. You were a part of this whole entire uh, insurance industrial complex, if, if you will. What within your soul made you say, "You know what? I'm going to leave these millions of dollars that I uh, that I my future worth would be." And I'm going to do what's morally right. What got into you that uh, because I, I want to, for the audience, I want to say something that's important, Wendell. The current people in the healthcare industry, in the insurance industry, they are doing their fiduciary responsibility, which is to maximize the profits for their shareholders, enhancing the executive bonuses. They're doing nothing illegal. They're doing what they're supposed to do. You are just a cog in the system. That's what right. Wendell has said is that's not how a healthcare system should be run. It shouldn't be run in that framework. Run with that, sir. Well, that's right. When I first started working in healthcare, I was working for a nonprofit hospital system in Tennessee, where I'm from. Uh, then I went from there to work for Humana. Uh, and then Cigna. So 20 years I spent inside uh, two of the biggest insurance companies in the country. And I at first was uh, unaware of the implications of for-profit companies or Wall Street controlling our healthcare system. But I became uh, more and more aware of the consequences as I uh, rose up through the ranks at those companies. Uh, I was able to see things that most people do not have a chance to see. I worked very closely with the CEO and the CFO, the investor relations team. I came to just see uh, and understand how Wall Street does control our healthcare system or controls those companies and any other country a company that uh, is uh, an investor based or in, you know owned by investors i had a crisis of conscience in my first career i was a newspaper reporter and i tried to make sure that i was telling the truth and never obscuring anything that was important for people to know 
But I came to realize that's exactly what I was doing in my role. I was vice president of corporate communications for Cigna. I worked uh, uh, you know, one of my, my my name was on every one of the company's earnings releases for 10 years. So I had to know how these companies made money, uh, what where it came from and what they did with it. And I came to realize that uh, the way they made their profits was in many cases making sure that people did not get the care that they needed. And the system that we had in place was one in which uh, increasingly Americans were not able to buy insurance. 50 million people didn't have insurance when I left the industry and when Congress began debating what became the Affordable Care Act. I came from a humble beginnings. I uh, grew up in uh, rural East Tennessee uh, in a working class family, farming family. Uh, and I know what poverty is like. I know what it is like when people do not have access to care. Uh, and I, uh, some things happened to me uh, a few months before I decided to leave my job that just made it abundantly clear to me that I was doing the wrong thing, that I was making, I, I was contributing to the problems in our healthcare system. And I decided I couldn't do that anymore. You know, you tell a story about uh, seeing people come down from the hills to, uh, to uh, a health to, to get healthcare to get free healthcare and the, the impact it had on you on on you your psyche. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, while I was still in my job, I flew back to visit family in East Tennessee, and I read in the hometown newspaper about something that I'd never heard of before. An organization called Remote Area Medical was uh, hosting a big outdoor clinic or a clinic at a, a county fairground not too far from where I grew up. I was curious because the article said people would be coming from hundreds of miles away, even as far away as Ohio and, and Florida to get care that was being provided free by doctors and nurses and dentists who were volunteering their time over three days. This was in late July. And I went there again out of curiosity. And I saw something that just shook me to my core when I went into the fairground. Uh, people were lined up by the hundreds waiting patiently to get care. It was raining that day. So these people were soaking wet, but they were not going to be leaving their lines uh, to because they had been, in many cases, sleeping in their cars for days uh, to get an opportunity to go inside the fairground to, to get the care that they needed. And I, I saw that some of those lines led to barns and animal stalls on that fairground site. Uh, this was a county fairground. Uh, and I just uh, uh, immediately realized that I had to take some responsibility for what I was seeing because my job was to help perpetuate the system that we had in place, the system that still is in place. And I made a commitment that day that I would uh, have to find some other way to earn a living. I saw people there who could have been people I grew up with. Could have been my neighbors, could have been high school friends, could have been relatives of mine. Uh, and I, uh, I, I, tears stole down my, uh, flowed down my, my face as I was looking at what I was seeing. And um, I, uh, I, I made a commitment uh, to, to try to figure out what I could do about that. I didn't think I would be a whistleblower. Uh, but I just uh, knew that I couldn't keep doing what I was doing, despite the fact that I was making quite a bit of money. You know, it's interesting because you're a whistleblower, a, a, a whistleblower, and you've blown the whistle and you blow the whistle over and over again. And it's amazing how the gravity of the system is so self-sustaining. One of the, the things that I that I promise to do in my life and with my platform and, and hopefully with with your help and the help of everybody else is to just 
let the average rank and file American understand what you saw there is not an anomaly, but it's something that's out there throughout this country, the richest country in the world, where we can't get the health care that we not that we deserve, but the health care that as a rich country, we have all earned. We have all earned, irrespective of whether you are a McDonald's flipper or an executive in a, in a corporation. Now, um, it turns out that um, in the past, one of the reasons Medicare came into be is because private insurance couldn't quite find a way to profit from the healthcare on older people. So therefore, right. as usual, the things that are not that that the private sector cannot make a dollar on, they usually pass it on to the government. The government will take care of that. So mm-hmm. Medicare was passed on to the government. Now, following that, bribing politicians, these guys figured out a way we can take back Medicare in a more secure, in a more advantageous way for us. Why don't you explain to us that procedure that occurred that has led us now to Medicare Advantage, a big one of the largest frauds on on the American taxpayers? You know, you're exactly right. Uh, Insurance companies had no interest in trying to insure older people, uh, people on fixed incomes, people who didn't have a lot of money. Uh, they, those people couldn't afford their premiums. Uh, so that you're right. That's why the Medicare program was created. Uh, but over the past several years now, uh, past 20 years in particular, uh, these companies have figured out because of their closeness to politicians, they were able to convince politicians uh, that let us take care of access to care for people who are enrolled in Medicare. We can do it more efficiently. We can make sure that people get the care that they need and cost taxpayers less money. That certainly was, uh, they, they sold policymakers a bill of goods. Uh, I, at the time, thought, well, maybe that's, maybe that is uh, something that can be pulled off. So I was going along with it. Uh, but what we have seen is that uh, more and more taxpayer dollars are going straight into these big companies. And what they're doing uh, through their Medicare Advantage plans, Medicare Advantage, by the way, was created in 2003 uh, by uh, when Congress passed what was referred to or called the Medicare Modernization Act. Mm -hmm. It created not only the uh, version of private Medicare that we have now, but also the Part D prescription drug Mm -hmm. plan. And both of those programs have turned out to be extraordinarily big cash cows for big insurance companies. And they have been aggressively uh, marketing uh, these plans to the point that more than half of people who are eligible for Medicare in America these days are enrolled in one of these plans. And and they're extraordinarily profitable because these companies have been able to rig the system to get more and more money out of the federal government, out of uh, our tax dollars. And uh, one other way that they're able to make so so much money is by refusing to pay for care that people need. Uh, there's a, a practice called prior authorization that is used aggressively uh, by these companies uh, to make sure that people are not getting the care that their doctors know they need. So people are dying. People are dying prematurely because of these denials and delays of care in Medicare Advantage. Now, let me ask the question this way. How do you convince a politician that a government uh, who is administering Medicare whose sole sole expense is 
administering that bill, figuring out how to pay, figuring out if there's fraud here or there, compared to a private company that has to pay ex- high-paid executives, that have to pay bonuses, that has to pay shareholder dividends, that has duplicative services, meaning if there are several insurance companies, each of them have their own database, database administrators, uh, advertising budgets, all that sort of stuff. All of those are all costs coming out of that same pot that the government would have to spend out of if it didn't. In other words, all those costs are costs not going towards healthcare. It's going towards administering. Why would they fall for the private sector fallacy that's been told many a times that in every case, the private sector is more efficient than the public sector? Really three ways. Uh, One is obscuring that kind of information to hide that, to not talk about that. You don't ever lead with that kind of information. Um, The other is uh, uh, through relationships and ideology. You are able to convince uh, politicians that you have helped uh, fund their campaigns uh, that are ideologically aligned with your point of view, who who have the opinion that the private sector can do anything better than the government more efficiently. Uh, and uh, a lot of politicians, a lot of people buy into that. They, We in this country have this notion that the capitalistic system uh, is sacred and uh, something that uh, can always do a better job of of, uh, whatever it might be than the federal government. So you have that. But the other thing is what I was alluding to, campaign contributions and lobbying. Uh, These companies are able to uh, shell out millions and millions of dollars every election uh, to campaigns, and they uh, send money to both Republicans and Democrats, and that's protection money. Uh, and they spend a lot of money on lobbyists. Every uh, big company has a lobbyist uh, on staff, but also spend enormous sums of money hiring uh, firms that do lobbying in Washington and the state capitals. So you have all of those things playing together. And that in that has got us to where we are now. Uh, it's lying and obscuring information. It is uh, uh, lobbying and it is campaign contributions and just frankly, ideology. Uh, so many people are blind to the fact that uh, these companies are ripping off taxpayers left and right. You know, um, before I, I came on with you, um, every the first Saturday of every month, I have a program, an addendum to my radio show called Ask Egberto Anything. And I told them today that I was speaking to you and, you know, uh, they were very happy to know, wow, you're speaking to Wendell. Ask him two specific questions. Since we're talking about Medicare Advantage, they said, what can we do to change the name Medicare Advantage to something more appropriate to let people know Medicare Advantage is neither an advantage nor is it Medicare? One thing is to support a bill that was introduced by two members of Congress, uh, Congressman uh, Mark Pocan of Wisconsin and Rokana of California. Uh, They are the lead sponsors of a bill that would uh, prohibit these companies from even using the name Medicare 
in their marketing materials. Uh, that is really important because people don't know the difference. Uh, and the advertising that they do uh, conflates the two programs. People don't know that Medicare Advantage is really a privately operated uh, big business. They don't really understand that. And the advertising purposely obscures that. Uh, so that's one thing. One is to support that legislation, to write letters, make phone calls to your members of Congress to support that. Uh, and also to support legislation that would uh, crack down on how they're marketing these plans. There's also, there are also bills before Congress that would do that. We're, I'm seeing that members of Congress are beginning to wake up, uh, certainly on the Democratic side, but even Republicans are beginning to understand how the program that they largely created uh, has been ripping off taxpayers, has been depleting the Medicare trust fund. Uh, so, But it requires people to reach out to their members of Congress and say, this is something that has to change. And the various ways we have to change it is, number one, like you are, were saying, keep these companies from even using the name Medicare in their, in their marketing materials. The next question, uh, and, and this, I think, is a difficult question. I don't even know where to start, but right now we spend more than twice what probably the most expensive country spends right now on their health care. Um, how can we, forgetting about insurance and all of that, how can we reduce the amount that's being spent on health care, given that our outcomes are no better than the other countries? Well, you really do have to have a fundamental rehaul of our healthcare system to do that. The big reason, the biggest reason is because of administrative costs in this country, uh, about a third of what we spend. And we now spend four and a half trillion dollars on healthcare altogether, uh, which is, you're, you're exactly right, is twice as much as the average of all the other developed countries in the world. Uh, and they provide, those other countries provide better care than we do, and they provide universal coverage, and we don't. Uh, and it's largely because, number one, the administrative cost, when you have all these insurance companies and for-profit entities involved in healthcare, every one of those, uh, adds to administrative costs. When you have these private insurance companies operating, all of those companies have high administrative overhead, but they make it necessary for doctors and hospitals to also have administrators, people who do nothing more than work day in and day out with big insurance companies. Uh, so that's a big thing. And the other is to just curtail the power of these big companies, break them up. Uh, you've got, like I said, uh, United Healthcare is the fourth largest company in America, CVS, which owns Aetna, uh, is the sixth largest. Cigna, where I used to work, is the 15th largest. They're far, far bigger than they were when the Affordable Care Act was passed. We've got to work with our members of Congress and the administration, with the FTC, to call for these companies to be broken up because we're getting to the point that you've got just a very, very few large corporations uh, run by Wall Street and investors uh, that uh, is really calling the shots and they don't have any incentive in bringing down the cost of care because as the cost of hospital care goes up, as the cost of drugs go, go up, these big insurance companies just increase premiums uh, and that is costing our employers and all of us as employees and taxpayers uh, enormous sums of money that uh, that's simply unknown in other countries. Um, as, as a as someone who understands that Medicare for all, healthcare for all, universal healthcare, whatever you want to call it, one where we are all uh, that we are all uh, have healthcare. It's a right that we all have healthcare. I understand that if there's a single payer handling that, I understand that if we take the for-profit 
method out of the delivery of the service, out of the uh, administer of service, that it would be more efficient. My question to you, given the infrastructure that we have in this unwieldy system, what would be the pathway, what would be the migration from this unwieldy system into a well-organized healthcare for all system? That's a good, good, very good question. And I think there are various ways of getting there. One is to try to get it done in Washington. That's a very, very heavy lift, as we've seen. Uh, there are organizations that have been trying to get that to happen for more than 30 years. Uh, uh, the other is through the states. Uh, and some states are uh, considering legislation, California in particular, uh, but also other states have uh, legislation that will be considered that would create a state-based single-payer system or some kind of a system that would be similar to other countries around the world, other developed countries that are doing this much better than we are. So that's that's one way. I think it is going to be very, very hard for us to see that kind of change in Washington until we do something about who is in Congress. Uh, you've got the makeup of Congress now uh, such that it's, it's, it's not going to happen in the foreseeable future. So we've got to get involved in the political process. My second book was called Nation on the Take, How Big Money Corrupts Our Democracy and What We Can Do About It. And that is at the core of the problem that we have, is that these companies are, are being able to control the, the levers of power in Washington and the state capitals. We've really got to address that. And whenever I have a chance to talk to people who support single-payer healthcare, Medicare for all, whatever you want to call it, uh, or just to uh, progressively improve the system that we have, uh, you're running up against the power of these big corporations that spend so much money, uh, as, as we were talking earlier. So you've got to do something. Uh, as uh, advocates, try to devote some, some time and attention to money and politics, because that is so important, so fundamental, and it's a big barrier to getting to where we need to be. Uh, Wendell, uh, my last question is always the same. What would you have liked me to ask you or what should I have asked you that I didn't? I don't know that I you've covered uh, fundamentally, I think, the biggest questions, the biggest reasons why uh, we are where we are and what we need to do. I think uh, that I would say that uh, to get to universal coverage, uh, let's not get hung up necessarily on one one path, uh, we've got to consider how else can we get there. What other things can can happen? And I would say that employers have a big responsibility as well too, because so many of us get our coverage through the workplace. I would encourage people to talk to their employers, to their HR people, uh, to protest the fact that every year our premiums go up, our out of pockets go up. So we've got to wake up and realize that our pockets are being picked day in and day out. I lead a coalition of organizations called Lower Out of Pockets Now. There's stuff that has to be done that's incremental before we get to single payer health care uh, so that we're not spending so much money uh, and not being able to pick up our medications, not being able to go to the doctor because of the high out-of-pocket costs that we are subjected to. So there's a lot that we can do as advocates other than uh, just supporting Medicare for all or universal health care, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we've got problems right now. People are dying every single day because of the practices of these companies. So I would encourage people to pay attention to that and call on their lawmakers to do something about the things that can be fixed right away. Uh, rather than uh, looking down the road to achieving uh, a healthcare system that is more just, we've got there's some steps we can take right now to get us where we uh, closer to where we need to be. 
I'm glad you said that because that also helps me because there are certain times that I, I just want to jump on it and get it done all right away. But you're absolutely right. There are things that we can do incrementally right now that eventually puts us on the path there. Uh, Wendell, you have a newsletter that is packed with information. And I tell you what, I, I am ashamed that I didn't quite read your newsletter before. I just read the material that you put out there in the in the ethos all of the times. I found that I sub I became I just want you to know I became a paid subscriber of your newsletter today. Why don't you tell people how they can find your newsletter? My newsletter, thank you, Abrielo. It's uh, uh it's called Healthcare Uncovered or Wendell Potter's Healthcare Uncovered on the Substack platform. You can find it at wendellpotter.substack.com or just Google me and Healthcare Uncovered and you'll find it. The content is free. I do appreciate the paid subscriptions because that helps us to do more reporting. Uh, we have, I think, some of the best analysis and, and uh, uh, essays on healthcare that anybody's producing, things that other reporters are not covering. Uh, and and uh, we have some other voices that contribute as well, too. So thank you very much. And I hope people will sign up. Again, it's free, but we certainly appreciate the paid subscriptions. It helps us a great deal. Wendell Potter, one of the leading national advocates for major healthcare reform in the country and the author of Deadly Spin, an insurance company insider speaks out on how corporate PR is killing healthcare and deceiving Americans as well as the other book that he just mentioned that will also be in this blog. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you so much, Shapiro. Thank you. Wendell Potter has been doing this now for years. And, you know, I, 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 you know, he was instrumental as well during the Affordable Care Act in getting a lot of stuff kept in that would have otherwise come out. So um, we owe a lot of gratitude for him letting us uh, know from an insider's point of view, the evil within the health insurance company, so much so he couldn't work for them anymore. He became a whistleblower. 713-526-5738. Please don't wait till the end of the show. Please call now. 713-526-5738. Paul Fleming says the healthcare system in this country is a joke. It is no longer about caring for the sick. It's about money and profits. If you aren't wealthy, you are seen as trash. How many people get treated like this across the country that we don't hear about because they have no one to speak for them? I mean, if it could happen to Eddie Vernice Johnson, where she had to get infected from her own waist because uh, as, as influential as she is in her old age, they simply ignored her in her bed. That's our healthcare system. Reduce the amount of people taking care of you. Going to the part, the executives and the shareholders partying all night. Look how much money we're making. Why do you go around Houston or any other city and watch all those health, quick healthcare places coming up? Quick emergency cares. That's all these things like, like little shops coming up to take care of you, right? To actually, it's really to take your insurance money and it's really to take your money because you pay the insurance, you pay the taxes for all of this. 713-526-5738. Eric Hayes says Washington is dysfunctional. You are correct. 
Washington is in fact dysfunctional, but you know more dysfunctional than Washington is a corporate sector. I want you guys to understand this. It is easy for us to just jump at, at Washington, jump at Austin, jump at all these other places and talk about how corrupt they are. And you, are, you would be correct, but they got that way not on their own. They got that way from the influence of money in politics. And who has the money in politics? Our corporations don't ever dare forget that. 713-526-5738. Again, the number is 713-526-5738. Let me hear your voices. All of us are dependent on healthcare. We should all be on, on this subject. We should all make sure that the politicians answer to what they will provide. Let's go to Anonymous line number one. Come on in, Anonymous. Anonymous, you're on. Thank you. I report that I had Medicare Part D for about two years. And during 2023, I made a test. I bought no drugs using my Medicare Part D. I paid out of pocket only. I found out that the cost of paying out of pocket while getting a discount from the pharmacy that the pharmacy offered was about the same as the cost of purchasing Medicare Part D plan through Cigna and um, it's withdrawing money from my account every month. So I figured there's so little difference I'm getting out of this. Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, Medicare told me that, that all I needed to do to get out was to call Medicare. I thought this sounds too easy to be true. I called three days later to check, am I in or out of Medicare Part D? And the Medicare person said, you are no longer in Part D. But that's not what Cigna thought. Cigna prepared a bill for me for January, and they will send it. Although I have written them two letters saying, I don't like the plan. I don't want to be in it. Get me out of here. <laughs> and um, it will it will take a month for Medicare and Cigna to talk to each other to decide whether I'm in and out, in or out. Um, and meanwhile, I may be stuck with paying for Medicare Part D for several more months while I don't use it. So people should know before they sign up for Medicare Part D, it may be difficult to get out, and before you get in, you should find out how to get out. Let me, let me stop you right there, my friend. No, you will not pay for it for the next few months. Don't ever allow a private institution like Cigna or any other one to, to force you to pay something you're not using, to pay something you legally got out of. You are not stuck, and you should not pay it. And if you have any problems, let me ask you to do, you have all your paperwork, you have all the days that you call, please feel free to, if, if you're com com comfortable, to black out your, tech, your, your specific information and send it. We will write about it and make sure 
to get some results on it. In uh, KPFT at politicsdoneright.com. Scan it. If you don't know how to scan, I don't know if you're into that or not. Have a friend do it. Get, don't send personal information at all, but uh, send enough that we can go ahead and say, hey, let me tell you something. This is who you guys are. These guys, our insurance, these are private insurance companies that administer these government pro that, that administer these government programs, right? And their goal is always to sucker you out of your money. You owe, you did your part, Miss Anonymous. You are in control here. You make nobody make you pay because they're thugs. Is that understood? I agree with you mentally about 100%. But there is a kicker if you turn your back. And here's the kicker. Yes. It, um, now I am healthy. I don't yes. need any more than these two life-saving drugs that I must have. I got it. I, okay. But... If I cancel Medicare Part D now, which I hope to do, plan to do, want to do, and two, three, five, ten years from now, I get a serious illness and I must have expensive medication, I will pay for not only the medication and the insurance plan, but also for a penalty of not carrying Medicare Part D. And that's why Mr. Potter is right. We must work through uh, Pocan and uh, Kana and people in Congress and get this junk into the garbage can. (laughs) Now, I I want to say one thing, Ms. Anonymous. My my statement about not paying it is that you said that you are that you canceled Part D, which means you don't want Part D. That's correct. So if that you is, don't, if you don't want Part D, which means what you told me, what you just told me, well, you know, you won't get the medication, etc. Then again, if you're if you're not using it and you have canceled it, and and because of paperwork, they want you to continue to pay it. My statement to you is, you should not pay it. You keep your paperwork that shows you canceled it, because otherwise, you have paid for something. Just giving your money away to the to the to the thieves. But I gotta go, Anonymous. Uh, again, you have our email if you want to send us anything. KPFT at politicsandright.com. Thank you so kindly for your call. Okay. The one message is if you get in, find out how to get out before you get in. All right. Thank you very much, Anonymous. Let's go to Melissa. Melissa, come on in. What's up, Egberto? Oh, wow. I haven't heard your voice in a long time. I feel feel neglected. (laughs) I'm so sorry. How are you doing, Melissa? So anyway, (laughs) um, good morning, Houston. So I was trying to ask, I guess, when she said, um, the other caller, she said uh, uh, the Part D. Now, I've been trying to get um, my partner um, out of because they uh, they automatically enrolled him in the Cigna at um, Vantage Medicare Advantage right which with United Care, but I was telling him that the Medicare Advantage is a private plan. Yes. Um. What do we tell the seniors who are at the age to where they still can handle their business, but yet too stuck and too like 
dogmatic on thinking that somebody's telling them for their good to be on this planet. Melissa. Because I feel like he is not listening only because he doesn't see it coming out. I said they're attacking your plant, your 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 Medicaid, but you don't right. see it so that it's like out of sight, out of mind. So I'm Melissa, like you Melissa, go I've been tr- Melissa, I've, I'm sorry. Um, that is what we're trying to do here. I, I don't only do it here at KPFT. I do it on my internet show. I do it at K Daily Coast, Op-Ed News, uh, Common Dreams, constantly. What we have to do is constantly talk to people, constantly earn their trust. And that's all. That's the only avenue that we have. And constantly make them know that the people that they're taught, we have to let them lose trust in the people that are lying to them. And we letting them hear what Wendell Potter say that we have here, letting them read the story in the Texas Tribune about what happened to Eddie Vernice Johnson, one of our stalwart politicians out here. I knew they killed that lady. I knew they killed that lady. Yes. And just like um, just like just like her before he even went in, because after the COVID shot, he started getting these complications. So, um. Uh, he was healthy body, like physically he was strong. I'm talking about strong, but mentally, you know, he can be told anything and then you can, you know, and he'll say, okay, you know, cause somebody specifically is telling him, but right. I as representative was on the phone. Do you know, Cigna hung up on in my face five times trying to get him to switch? Yeah. You know, they don't they, care. They don't care. People. But that's what I want to say. No, no, Melissa, let me just say one thing so that the whole audience can hear. The idea is that they think they can outlast you. In other words, if you get hung up on five times, okay, you're going to give up. We never give up. Never give up. Melissa, I got some more calls I got to get in. Okay, they ended up with him, though. But he's still on private with United. All right, let me tell you. You keep working with him, all right? All right, love have a, have a good one, Melissa. Let's jump to John. Come on in, John. Hey, good morning, Alberto. Thank you for good, taking my good. call. Yes, sir. Uh, all right. So here's the situation. My my wife's a retired teacher, and she's in TRS, mm-hmm. and she also turned 65 last summer. And so she got on um, Social Security, and the TRS plan had uh, the gap insurance and the Part D through TRS, which right. is fine. She took, and that was all good. Well, sometime over the last few months, they just switched her over to Medicare Part C. We didn't find out about anything until she went to the doctor and she got a bill. And it right. was all paid Medicare Part C. It was They changed her plan without her knowledge, without her permission. And I'm wondering how many people are out there who have had that happen and don't even know it. Let me first tell you, it is a cancer. It is happening all of the times. I went to a conference in, uh, not Pittsburgh. I went to a conference over in Chicago. Was it Chicago? In Chicago this, uh, this year. And we were talking about Medicare, uh, at Medicare and how the drug companies, and by the way, it is, the government gives a loophole that allow these guys, uh, with plans called, a, I think it's called ACE, that in effect, if you are going to a particular doctor, et cetera, they find a way that they supposedly tell you that they're changing it. Oh, it's not true, but they switch you automatically. What you need to do is now that you know that is tell your wife to get back there and tell them, I never did this. Move me back to my Medicare, traditional Medicare. I don't want this crap. 
It is important oh, that you do this now. All over that. We've been on the phone, and it's a real circus. They switch you around, and then they put people on who are hard to hear, or they can barely speak English, so they've got a really hard accent, which is hard to understand. Right. And so, don't, I mean, John, to make it difficult for you. Yeah, and that's the idea. And again, it's a complicity between uh, the the CMS, which runs our our healthcare on the government side, and the private sector. Right? They are really trying to move this stuff to the private sector. We have to get people smart about it, and that's why we talk about it over and over again. I said this year that is one of my three major topics, so that people are educated on what's going on. Thank you, John, for your story. Let me just repeat something. Let me tell you what John's is saying, folks. His wife was in traditional Medicare, and somehow. Uh, they switched her to a program, and I, I think it, you're going to see ACE uh, somewhere in your paperwork. They switched her to a plan that ultimately is controlled by the private sector, right? And 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 why a lot of, uh, what a, why a lot of people like it initially and don't complain about it is oh all the bills seem to get paid until something major happens. And then you realize, oh, no, you're not in traditional Medicare. You are in Medicare Advantage. Folks, don't keep – if you're 65, you keep your eyes on your Medicare and make sure you're not in the private sector. Make sure you are in our government-sponsored traditional Medicare and Medigap. That's what we're all about. Thank you, John, for your call. Let's go to Derek. Come on in, Derek. Right. Quick, Alberto. You know, we're, tw- this is 2024. We're going to have to stop lying to ourselves as Americans. America is not the richest country anymore. $32 trillion in debt does not make you rich because you're up to debt and above your head. But as far as the insurance companies, across the board, we're being fleeced because I tried to uh, uh, this weekend uh, do car insurance. Alberto, we're being charged double now. So if you got if you paying a car note that's thirty three hundred some odd dollars, they charging you for insurance three hundred dollars, and 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 the lowest I found was two hundred and thirty dollars. You know what I did, Derek? I went ahead and. You're correct. Let me tell you what I did. The insurance company is the richest set of uh, thugs in this country. Let me tell you what I, I did the other day. I was just sitting down, adding up all the different insurances that I have. Homeowners insurance, health insurance, car insurance, umbrella insurance. Um, uh, there are a couple more that we have. Uh, by the time you're done, it's several thousand dollars. And it's like, that is just money out of your pocket going directly to insurance companies every single month. That's why their executives make so much. That's why their shareholders make so much. And that's why they pay off our government so often so much to continue with the theft. You're correct. The only thing I can tell you about the auto insurance folks is that just keep going to the lowest bidder because you know what? It's funny that they want to charge you, but when it's time to pay, they give you a whole lot, even if in car insurance is it, I, you know, they, even if they don't come to you, they're trying to get to the other person to get their monies back. Uh, this economic sure. system, uh, Derek, is a racket. 
And the more we learn about it, that's when we can do something about it. Go ahead, Derek. Yeah, even the gap insurance, uh, Berto, my car had uh, a, a lady had caused an accident. I tried to go use the gap insurance. They can't find it. You see? Oh, I just want to let everybody know, consumer beware. Uh, you're going to have to get together and fight this thing. Stop uh, relying on the senators instead of calling them senators because they're not for you. You got to get together and fight. Thank you, Roberto. Eric, thank you so kindly for your call, my friend. Anyway, folks, uh, we're coming close to the end of the program. Um, please go to politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter. That is where all the subjects that we are going to cover today. Of course, I always have four, three to five subjects that we are going to cover in case we don't have callers, etc. But we had callers, a lot of callers. We've been having a lot of callers, so I thank you guys for all of your calls. But the the uh, additional subjects I want you to take a look at from our newsletter is about the economy, uh, how the, the jobs report and what it really means, as well as uh, the story on uh, the the uh, president changing his tune. Let's go ahead and dr- run back to El Señor uh, Howard. Okay, I was just running to the control board. Uh... Good. Good morning, Egberto. Boy, it's been a busy day here in the control room, that's for sure. Do I miss Jack? You bet I do. <laughs> you bet I miss Jack. You know, uh, let me tell you, Howard, when I was about to say, okay, Howard, in my mind, I was like, oh, he's going to have to wheel himself to the other side. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. You know, uh, I, I just want to laud praise upon Jack again because he's, you know, such a valuable character in this particular radio station not only does he do the uh, vacuuming and cleaning around here he also answers phones and does whatever is needed so jack if you're listening thank you again so much and i know he's probably out there listening with his flat tire in the parking lot going dang i wish i was there you know he's listening of course jack is listening man but anyhow, um, but look, we had a great program. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Howard, first of all, for making this stuff happen all of the time. Thank you, listeners. You guys are great. And I mean that from the depths of my heart. Love you guys. Look, we got to fight this stuff together, folks. We've got to not just acquiesce to the crap. We got to fight it. Anyway, uh, my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.